This is the Ron Perti Show. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas and welcome to this installment of the Ron Perti Show. My guest this week is Conrad Thompson, the host, uh, co-host of the Ric Flair Show and something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard on the MLW Radio Network. Both a couple of great wrestling podcasts you need to be checking out. He is uh, quite possibly one of the best wrestling uh, podcast hosts there is. I'm a little partial to Jim Cornette, but Jim likes to dip his toes in other waters besides wrestling on his shows. And uh, it's gonna, I had a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so be sure to stick around for that. Um, real quick before we get into everything, um, if you're listening to this, tomorrow, Thursday, December 22nd. Probably saying, Ron, what's going on? Well, if you're in the Racine, Wisconsin area, head down to McCullough's on the Square at 9 p.m. and you can see me get a tattoo. I swore if we hit a goal for Blank Fest 10, I would get inked. Well, not a time to put money where my mouth is. Also, we're doing a little mini Blank Fest to collect more items because everything we got, as amazing as it was, still can't reach everybody, and we can still use your help. This time, though, it's not going to be music. It's going to be comedy. Me, I'll be performing and hosting. Wayne Gunther, Rich Damore, Rick Medeja. I keep thinking I'm pronouncing his last name wrong. I don't know. We'll find out after he beats me up for saying it wrong. Uh, McCullough's on the square, downtown Racine. You can't miss it because I don't have an address. I am ill-prepared. Unlike my guest at this time, Conrad Thompson, co-host of the Ric Flair Show and something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard, we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. For a 30-day trial and free audiobook, head to audibletrial.com forward slash ronshow. That's audibletrial.com slash ronshow for your 30-day trial and free audiobook today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. I don't know when we're going to talk about this again. Uh, <laughs> and this, But this guy, he's not scared of shit. Conrad Thompson, thank you very much for being on the program. Hey man, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come on. It, uh, like I was telling you before, I just like I caught up on, but before uh, about a month ago, I started just catching up on something to wrestle with, and I'm about to dig into the Ric Flair show. And uh, I, I, you're a very knowledgeable wrestling fan. Research aside, because I know a lot of these topics you got to really dig into, uh, research wise, because you don't know everything. Um, but when did you first start getting into wrestling? Uh, I first started watching, as far as my first wrestling memory, was WrestleMania IV in 1988. I didn't see it live. I saw uh, the double VHS version that you could go rent, and uh, that was my, my first wrestling memory, and I was hooked. But like a lot of fans, I guess, uh, I had a kind of on-again, off-again relationship with wrestling where I'd uh, be all about it for a few years and then just kind of fade away and, and uh, lose interest. But in 2013, I got interested again, and uh, I guess I'm as big of a fan now as I ever was, maybe. Well, I don't think it ever goes away. And you and I have that in common because the first pay-per-view I ever saw was WrestleMania 4. But I saw it live, and um, I remember remember when pay-per-views had intermissions? Yeah, it's a weird thing, but uh, you know, back then, 
uh, all pay-per-views had intermission. At least all WWF pay-per-views had a big intermission. And now that just seems like something from the past. And I remember my first, okay, my first star, or my first um, WCW pay per view was, uh, and I remember this very vividly because the match was ridiculous. The main event, uh, it was Halloween Havoc '89. What didn't you like about that show? Oh, I liked it. I liked it. It's just the main event was kind of ridiculous. The Thunderdome match. Well, as ridiculous as that is, as a kid, you loved it. Don't lie. Oh, of course I did, and I thought it was—I thought it was great when the when the top of the dome started on fire and Muda had to go up and 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 you know use a spray to put it out. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, it's awesome. I can see how you know later when you're an adult, you would think this is ridiculous. But as a kid, dude, that was awesome. Oh yeah, no, I loved it. I I, I won't lie, and uh, even back then, I was a fan of Ric Flair. Uh, you know, uh, Sting was Sting was great. Don't get me wrong, but he was always just kind of, I don't know. It's like I'm never, I would never hang out with somebody like that. Kind well, of, you know, I wouldn't hope that you would hang out with someone who painted their face and yelled. Um, I, I, I was never a Ric Flair fan at that age. It took me becoming a teenager. I, as a kid, I was all about saying my prayers and eating my vitamins and doing the right thing and. You know, then I kind of fade out of wrestling, and then when I get back into it, tape trading is at like an all-time high. Uh, I would peg that maybe for 97-ish for me. And uh, I started to, you know, catch on to some of his old-school promos. So instead of saying your prayers and eating your vitamins, the 16-year-old version of me was all about, you know, I live in the biggest house on the biggest hill, and I got a limousine a mile long uh, with women just dying for me to go woo. And that was pretty cool. So I was all about it. And I was a Ric Flair fan from then on. Well, the other, another great thing for me was that, uh, Halloween Havoc 89. I was my first, uh, exposure to, uh, a one Jim Cornette. And I was a fan immediately the tennis racket, just the, the way that he acted. I was like, that is, that's so cool. I was a kind of a rebellious kid. So that's probably why. But uh, it was also my first inter- in introduction into the Freebirds, and I got the the bad Freebirds. Yeah, the uh, the Freebirds are underrated. I'm glad that they made their opportunity. They you know finally got the opportunity to make their way into the Hall of Fame this past year. Uh, I've had the pleasure of becoming pretty good friends with Michael Hayes in the last few years, and uh, when you go back and really appreciate what they were able to do and the way they did it, uh, it's something that I don't know that really could ever happen again the way you bounce around the different territories pop a territory and then leave yeah Uh, and that was kind of the old school way of doing things you would want to leave before business started to turn down so you kind of got the credit for being there when it was hot and so they were notorious for bouncing around and sure you know partying and other things too but uh what an innovative deal that they were and i'm glad they're getting their just due oh yeah definitely um now let's get back to you a little bit here uh, growing up, you, you're on again, off again with wrestling. You, 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 you've been, you're working in a mortgage, uh, stuff now, which is, which is awesome. Have you been in that, what, 15 years, 20 years, something like that? Uh, 15 years. I started in uh, August of 2001 and I own first family mortgage and you can check us out at one fmc.com. Uh, and we'd love to help you on your next home loan, whether you're in Alabama or another part of the United States, we'd love to hook you up. Roll tide. See, I looked that up. I had to right, Google it. Know, I had to Google I, it. Good roll tide is kind of my gimmick on the shows. Uh, I mean, just because that's what I say in real life. And, and and here in Alabama, roll tide. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with that, it's worth googling roll tide ESPN commercial 
because you'll kind of see it's just part of our culture. It's uh, it means everything. It means uh, hello. It means goodbye. It means great. It means damn. It means everything in between. Roll Tide just kind of works. And some, somehow on Wisconsin does not usually work for that. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't know what it would be up there. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's a fascinating thing for have, sure. Have some cheese. There you go. That's there you go. There, there you go. go. Uh, now, how did you get to meet people like Bruce and Rick? And uh, you said you're friends with uh, with uh, Michael Hayes. And I like how did you you get into that part of the world? Well, it becomes you know all of the guys you know I kind of have a little bit of a brotherhood, and they're all a part of this big fraternity and one by one, I just was introduced to some guys and met them. And, and it all started with me meeting uh, a belt maker in Tennessee named, uh, Dave Milliken. And he's made the belts for WWE and TNA and the UFC. And obviously that's right beside me. Well, uh, he is pretty good friends with, uh, Mark James who wrote books with Jim Cornette, who introduced me to JJ Dillon, who introduced me to Ric Flair who introduced me to Bruce Pritchard, who introduced me to Michael P.S. Hayes. Uh, it, you know, it's almost like that. Um, it, it's almost like an old Bible verse. So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. So, uh, so it's one of those chains. And so I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of the guys. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. We do some podcasts now, Roll Tide. And it's, it's, it's seven degrees of, of Conrad Thompson. Basically, well, it's probably seven degrees of Ric Flair. Uh, most everyone that I've become acquainted with or met in the business was one way or another uh, through Ric Flair. Now, you've mentioned before on, on, on some episodes that you've been uh, backstage with Rick. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not looking for deep, dark secrets here, but do you notice as, the, as years have gone by and the product has become a little bit more uh streamlined i guess is the word that things have changed backstage like it's more uh it's not as disorganized maybe does that make sense well i've only been uh i've only been back there in 14 15 and 16 so just three years now mm-hmm. uh so uh, it's kind of the same the whole time i can't say that there's been a major change necessarily uh it does seem like there are there's less extra talent now just hanging around who were flown in for seemingly nothing uh but that's because of the brand split you know now they're just uh, running smaller rosters for the shows uh but running twice as many shows so i don't necessarily um know that there's a difference uh at least in those three years from from my worldview now getting into something to wrestle with which is one of my favorite podcasts. It's my my weekend is set when I see the Cornet Experience comes out, and then something to Russell comes out. I'm like, okay, my weekend's set. I I don't have to do anything now. Um, I can just listen to these amazing shows. When you're doing this show with Bruce, and you, it seems like you really, really, really have to kind of pull information out of him. Uh, how much of that is him? just kind of playing it up for the show and how much of that is like you really having to like drag it out of him. Uh, it's a combination of both. I'm sure there's parts of stories that Bruce doesn't really want to share. And he's used to playing everything so close to the vest for so long that it does become a little second nature. Uh, and, and as I said, I'm sure some of the time he just doesn't really want to share it, but there are other times when 
I know that he's just being coy and he wants me to work for it. Uh, and then there's some other times where he's just not, um, self-aware and he doesn't know that he's necessarily being flighty or being evasive and he doesn't. And so you need to call him on it. And I think that's what makes our show so unique because in my real life, not when the mics are on, but just, you know, in my real life, Bruce Pritchard is one of my best friends and we talk every day and, uh, we've spent a lot of time together and, you know, he knows my whole family and, uh, yada, yada, yada. So I'm able to press him in a way where he doesn't take great offense. And I think a lot of times with, you know, wrestling podcasts, especially when there's a host and then there's a co-host, it almost becomes a situation where the co-host is not positioned as the equal on the show. And he's just there to keep it on track. And I serve that role on the Ric Flair show. Uh, the Ric Flair show is a totally different format. It's not, uh, you know, a point counterpoint. It is the Ric Flair show and I'm there to keep us moving along and kind of keep the train on the track, so to speak. Uh, but on Bruce's show, it's almost like a debate format. Like you would see, you know, on cable television for politics. And so I take the, the, the place as the fan, cause that's what I am. I'm not in the business. I'm never going to be in the business. I don't have any desire to be in the business. I'm just the super fan and I enjoy that role. And Bruce is the guy who was there. So we kind of get to go back and forth and, uh, I'm, I'm kind of speaking as a Meltzer reader and he's speaking as a McMahon disciple and we kind of, uh, hash it out for two or three hours seemingly every single week. Yeah, I I did uh, I do notice how much he loves Dave Meltzer. It's uh that that always makes me laugh. Well, it's weird because so much of that um has just changed since the show started because uh he he would say he wasn't there and stuff like that and he would be argumentative if anybody questioned him on it. Now, he's cer certainly he's argumentative with me, but he would get pretty fired up if anybody kind of questioned him on any of that stuff and it wasn't even necessarily Meltzer who was doing it. It was, um, Bruce Mitchell over at the torch, right? But he lumped him in there because Meltzer kind of is the name brand for lack of a better word for all things wrestling news. And then, uh, through the course of the show growing in popularity, people started to kind of ping Meltzer about it on Twitter and on his message board. And he kind of buried Bruce and said that Bruce was a con man and that he was shady and various other things. I'm sure. Uh, and so when I kind of shared that with Bruce on the show, I think it hurt his feelings a little and he, he kind of backed down and said, you know, I said he was a nice guy, but then when it persisted on Dave's side, then Bruce was like, okay, I'm not going to be nice anymore. I'm going to say what I really think. And so that has almost become a caricature when, uh, you know, in and of itself, his right. just total disdain for someone reporting something as fact when they weren't really there. And then it just becomes the narrative. It becomes what we all as fans are led to believe really happened. And sometimes it's not nearly as exciting what the truth was. Uh, and, and I think that's what makes our show so interesting. Now, of all the episodes that you've done, you, uh, you let the fans pick the topics. What was the one episode that you didn't, you were just like not ready to have to do that you did not think was going to win? I was not ready for the steroid trial. Um, just because that happened at a time where I was not young, I was young enough to not really pay much attention to it. And I wasn't really watching wrestling. And so I knew they got sued and I knew that it was about steroids, but I didn't really know much other than that. I knew that he beat it. I knew that it drained some resources, 
but I didn't really know as much as I probably should. And that episode is where I started doing extensive research. Prior to that, I had just kind of winged it. Uh, but from there I realized, Hey, I've got to do some prep work here. And I enjoyed that format so much more when I actually sat down and had organized notes and several pages of which that I thought, Hey, this is what I'm going to do from now on. And, uh, it surprised me several times that stuff won. I couldn't believe the last Nitro won just uh, last week, the last Nitro won. And that was shocking to me because I feel like that's been covered to death and it wasn't a great show. It wasn't super interesting. It, we're not going to talk about the invasion. We're just talking about the buildup to that Nitro, which obviously means we're going to talk about the purchase of WCW. But I feel like so much of that had been discussed. So it was a little challenge to try to find things that I've, thought could still be interesting uh, so i had to really dig to do it and in the end i feel like the show came out really well uh, but we had to really kind of fight and scrap and scratch to find interesting stuff to talk about i um i was i'll be real honest this last week while i love hearing about the 97 rumble um i voted for demolition uh, well, i think a lot of people did this was our, our most popular poll ever uh when we first did the poll we had less than 300 votes uh, we had over 4,500 for this one, so it's grown exponentially in a hurry because we didn't start with a poll. We just kind of came up with the idea, uh, but demolition was one of our more requested topics, and Bischoff in the WWE was one of our more requested topics, but I felt like it was timely to do the Royal Rumble since we're at the 20-year anniversary of that one, and it's in the same building, and that's such an interesting time in the business where business was just at an absolute rock bottom in 95 starts to uptick a little but still not very good in 96 and then they just roll the dice kind of wrestlemania style uh, for royal rumble 97 and i'll be damned if it didn't work now it yeah. may not have in the way that a lot of people hoped that it could have but it did uh and it was a, it was it would have to be considered a success and uh, I was just fascinated by that. And I was campaigning pretty openly online that I wanted it to win. And I was glad it did because I feel like it gave us a more entertaining show than we could have gotten with Demolition. I don't know that there's two hours worth of stuff to talk about with Demolition necessarily. But if they win, I'm going to do my damnedest to make it happen. Now, you had mentioned, I know, <laughs> I know Bill Eady had some, has some kind of lawsuit with the WWE, but I don't know too much about it. And you had mentioned it um uh this this episode we were talking about you know the new days record and all those kind of stuff uh what was this, what's the point of the the lawsuit uh, he's a part of the concussion lawsuit right now he's been a part of every major lawsuit if there's a class action lawsuit where they're suing the wwf the first person they call is bill Eddie because he'll sign up oh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to dump on bill i'm just saying his name has appeared on multiple lawsuits so uh, it's a shame that it's going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame while he's alive. I do think they'll go in uh, ultimately when he passes away, and that's going to make me an asshole for saying that here on your show, but that's the reality. Oh, it is, there's definitely. Gonna there's going to be certain guys who are not going to get their opportunity you know, while they're with us, and because he's suing, he's probably one of them. That's unfortunate, and I know uh, I would love to see uh... – uh, Corny go in, but I think he said multiple times that the only way he's going in is if the Midnight goes in and the Rock and Roll goes in. Well, and here's the thing. I think the Midnight Express should go in. Uh, I think all three uh, wrestling members should, and, and I know I'm leaving someone out, but 
it, to me, it's Dennis Condry, it's Bobby Eaton, and it's Stan Lane. And I know other people would argue uh, that we should have somebody else in there, but I think those guys should be in for sure. Uh, and I think Cornette could go in just as a standalone, but if you want to lump him in with the Midnight Express, I think that's great. I do think it's just a matter of time uh, before the Rock and Roll Express go in, and, and I do think they deserve it as well. But the problem with Cornette, and I consider him a friend, and he is a good guy, and he's a hard worker, is that he has been so critical of the company that you don't, you're not sure that you can trust him to get up there and kind of toe the company line because he's so anti-all things wwe could he just accept the uh, the honor of being in the hall of fame and move on or would he have to you know go on a rant about things he hates in wrestling these days <laughs> and uh that's hard for him because it's just natural instinct and that's what makes him unique and that's what makes him jim Cornette. so hopefully it happens but it may be a little while he could just get up there and talk about the revival for 10 minutes he loves them he loves parts of the WWE for sure. I, you know, he'd be really hard pressed to find someone who was more passionate about wrestling than Jim Cornette. And he certainly deserves the honor of being in the hall of fame. And I, but I imagine he'll be in every wrestling hall of fame otherwise first, and then ultimately, you know, get his rifle spot with the WWF WWE. I'm, it's it's going to be WWF to us for you know it's it's I have the, the that company doing that. Um, I go back to the old adage: um, if you can't tell the difference between the Undertaker and a panda, there's something wrong with you. Um, but for people like us, we're going to always remember it as the WWF. It's not going to be remembered as the WWE until I think another generation from now. I had gotten uh, out of the habit pretty well of calling it WWF, but. When you talk about the 1997 Royal Rumble for four hours with your buddy the day before, uh, it's going to be just natural instinct to revert back to that and call it WWF. Oh yeah, without question, without question. Now I got as as a fan, um, when it comes to um, people like the New Day and uh, Enzo and Cass and people like that who who get over huge. Do you think that the WWE has an issue with driving them into the ground so people who once loved them begin to kind of like detest seeing them on screen? I mean, isn't that the case with everything? I mean, didn't they do that with Hulk Hogan? Didn't they do that with John Cena? Didn't they? I mean, they've done, and that's not unique to them. It's just with everybody. I mean, people hate the Yankees. Why is that? People hate Alabama. Why is that? People hate the Patriots. Why is that? You know, it's just. It becomes one of those deals where you're so dominant. The other day, you know, my housekeeper was bringing in my Sports Illustrated magazine, and uh, as she hands it to me, LeBron James is on the cover. And she says, oh, I hate him. And I said, why? She said, he's just so arrogant. That's like, okay, so you hate him because he's awesome. And, and I think that's uh, just natural. I mean, it, the, the WWE is in an unfortunate position there where when you say they're cramming them down your throat, if, if it wasn't them, it would be someone else. And if they didn't get as much time as they do, then the internet would say, oh, they're not giving them enough time. Why aren't they pushing these guys? And then when they push them, fans say, oh, I'm tired of this. I want something new now. It's, it's one of those deals where people are just uh, impatient and have, you know, we live in an instant gratification society and they want what they want right then, no matter what, all the time. Well, I'll be, I'm a very vocal uh, uh, proponent of the fact that I think that they've buried the club. 
but that's just me. I'm, I'm a big. Well, well, but here's my question though. Burying the club implies that they were once over, and 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 I think those are good guys, and they're hard workers, and they were super over in New Japan. Uh, but outside of their first month, they never got a really solid push there. But I think a lot of that is because they were in a position where they could not. They had plans to 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 demolish, for lack of a better word, this demolition tag team record uh, with New Day, and so they've debuted it right in the middle of that. Well, now that we're past that, I think we can start to see the tag titles flip around and move around a little bit. But had they not taken that break at SummerSlam last year with the belts, they would have already been there. Uh, but I think now that that we've gotten that out of the way, it would not surprise me for the for us to see those belts change hands. Uh, in the next week or so. I mean, I, I really do feel like they just wanted to break that demolition record, and now we'll get back to business as usual, which is what we've seen with all the other belts. Right, right. Uh, and I remember uh, now. Do you think that they're you think they're going to drop them to Sheamus and, and Cesaro, or do you think they're going to wait till the Rumble? You know, I don't know what they'll do uh, this weekend uh, at Roadblock, but. I, I don't think that it matters as much as maybe it once did. I think all of these pay per views. Uh, are kind of sort of throwaways, and I think what people really remember forever and ever is the Royal Rumble. I mean, not the Royal Rumble, but the uh, the WrestleMania card. You know, I can remember back, and I can name you, you know, a half dozen matches from WrestleMania seven or eight or twelve or fifteen or whatever. Right. Uh, but it's a challenge to go back and say. Uh, oh, well, Armageddon, you know, 99, I, I don't know. Right. Well, no, no Mercy 04, I, I got nothing. You know, well, New Year's Revolution 06, <laughs> I mean, I can name some guys, but, and so it just becomes kind of fuzzy. So, you know, I don't think when we look back in history, we're going to go back and say, well, boy, I remember Roadblock uh, end of the line. No, you won't. I mean, so this is. It's a fun show, and maybe if there's a really awesome match or a really awesome spot, you'll remember that. Uh, but just the actual event where you just can kind of run down the card in your head, I, I think that's just reserved for WrestleMania. So whether they lose the belts at end of the line or at the Royal Rumble, I don't think – I mean, they could lose it on Raw, uh, and, and it would all kind of be the same to me. I, I love Raw and with all those other shows. If it's not WrestleMania, it's to that level. And some people would argue, oh, it's different for Rumble. Oh, it's different for SummerSlam. But I don't think it really is. Okay. And uh, Rumble on on its way here. Uh, who do you think is going to win? Well, uh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I think some of the cards kind of already set in my head. I think you start with WrestleMania and you work backwards. And if I was booking WrestleMania, I would book a Shield Triple Threat. And I would book Shane against uh, Hunter, and I would book uh, Goldberg against Lesnar, and I would book Cena against Taker. And uh, then I'm not as as positive what you do with your world titles. Uh, If you could hang on, it would would make sense to do Jericho and Kevin Owens. Uh, it It seems like that's getting moved along faster than I originally thought it might. Uh, but I, I would like to see AJ Styles in a big-time, prominent, main event-type spot where he gets featured. I think he's uh, one of the greatest talents we've ever seen in the WWF. And I think we've barely scratched the surface of what he's capable of. And I hope that we get to see more of his acting chops and more of his storyline stuff. 
Uh, obviously, he's gotten a taste of that this year, but I think he's capable of doing even more than what we've seen. And I'd like to see him, you know, in a featured match there. I don't know who I would book him against, but, um, you know, in a perfect world, I'd like to see Samojo in the Royal Rumble, and I'd like to see him win it. And I'd like to see Samojo in a prominent WrestleMania match, maybe even against AJ Styles, but I don't think they're going to do that. I would, my, my dream WrestleMania match is AJ and Shinsuke. Yeah, I think that would be cool too. I, I just worry about uh, Shinsuke on the main roster without a mouthpiece. Uh, yeah, I feel like the the Rust Belt and uh, you know the Midwest and the Bible Belt and those type of places are, are they can we can certainly accept because I'm in the Bible Belt. We can certainly accept a Japanese wrestler and being a superstar and et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like you're going to have to have somebody get the heat for him, whether it's good or bad or whatever. You need somebody to be his mouthpiece. And I think what Brock Lesnar has is special, but I think when you put Paul Heyman with it, it becomes, you know, something that's just really hard to beat. And I don't think people really give Paul all the credit he deserves all the time because you hear Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar, but Brock Lesnar was always a talented guy. He became the beast incarnate in the one in 21 and one because Paul Heyman reminded us about it all the time. And he was so phenomenal in that job. I would love to see Shinsuke have a similar mouthpiece, whether it's Paul Heyman or someone like Paul Heyman. And I think that could be phenomenal. That's a nice little throwback to AJ there. That'd be fantastic. That was nice. That was nice. There you go. Well, uh, now you can listen to Conrad as he co-hosts the Ric Flair Show every Wednesday on MLW Radio. You can get that on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and uh, review it positively. And every Friday uh, on MLW Radio, which is on iTunes as well, uh, with something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. I was going to put the pause in there, but we're running out of time. Um, and uh, go ahead and, and, and lay out your social media and your plugs and everything, and uh, you can do it better than I can. Well, hey, I'm on Twitter, and I'm very active there. At Hey, hey, it's Conrad. Uh, I would love for you to go ahead and hit the follow button, and then let's talk a little wrestling. Uh, it's Hey, hey, it's Conrad. That's pretty much my username on everything. Uh, but the shows, of course, where you can uh, keep up with all things podcast are at Ric Flair Show. That's on Twitter, of course. Uh, and also on Twitter, the most interactive podcast around is at Pritchard Show. We put up a poll every Sunday night. We kind of tell you what the topics are going to be on the most recent episode and explain why they're there. And then those poll topics go up on Sunday, and they don't come down until the wee hours of Tuesday morning. And whatever the listeners vote for, that's what we're going to cover, and we do it in great detail. We take your suggestions using hashtag love to know. And this is all, of course, for something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. And you can follow that online on Twitter at Pritchard Show. Uh, and, of course, if you'd like to save on your home loan, man, I can hook you up there, too. Uh, at 1FMC is First Family Mortgage or 1FMC.com. All right, Conrad, thank you so much for being on. We'd love to have you back sometime. Hey, man, thanks for the opportunity to come on and talk about the shows. And uh, I really appreciate you thinking enough of me to extend the invitation. So that was fun, huh? Kind of make you want to go back and watch wrestling because I know a lot of you watched it when you were younger and kind of maybe gave up. Might be a great time to come back in, check out the squared circle. It's still a lot of fun. Uh, I never really went away. But don't forget, tomorrow night, McCullough's on the square. Watch me suffer. And I want you and your loved ones to have a safe, fun, 
Christmas, holiday, whatever the hell it is you celebrate. Have a good one. And uh, may the upcoming new year be a goddamn sight better than the last. We'll see you next week with Lowell Dean. He's the director of Wolf Cop. So that's fun. Don't you think? I think so. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at RealRonPerti. Check out Patreon.com forward slash RonPerti to help out the show if you like it. I like it. You should maybe help me. It's fun. I think so. Whatever. And RonPerti.com, the hub where everything emanates from. So don't forget next week, Lowell Dean, the director and writer of Wolf Cop, uh, taking the world by storm. And he stopped by to chat. And it was a lot of fun. So be sure to check that out in our last episode of the year. No pressure. And uh, we'll see you next week. Merry Christmas, everybody. 